to the Saguaro Books Radio Hour. This program is a showcase of middle grade, young adult, and new adult fiction. Your host is Mary Nickham, the founder of Saguaro Books, LLC. Saguaro Books is a unique publisher, and this program will show you why, as we bring you the authors and the books of new authors and more. Now, here's Mary Nickham. Good morning. Welcome to our Author Fool's Day show on the Saguaro Books Radio Hour. I'll learn lots of money when I publish a book, just like J.K. Rowling. Not. The biggest fool of all is the author who thinks publishing a book will bring instant fame and fortune. It just doesn't work that way. Writing, publishing, and marketing, selling, your book is not is a lot of work. It doesn't just happen, and the publisher doesn't do the work. The author does. That comes as a shock to most new authors. Let's talk to three authors, learn about them, their work, and how they feel about author fools or misconceptions. The first guest, Carolyn Savage, began writing as a, at a young age. She wrote and illustrated her first book when she was in second grade and continued to write off and on through college. After traveling, she enjoyed working with birds of prey, mammals, and endangered Hawaiian birds. She is a second-degree black belt in Taekwondo, and she currently lives in Bend, Oregon. The Gardenia Curse is her first novel. Okay, Carolyn, let's hear from you. How is... I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say hi. I'll give you a chance to say something. (laughs) <laughs> Tell us about your book, The Gardenia Curse. So The Gardenia Curse is about the struggles of a 13-year-old girl named Ava after her parents divorce and she moves with her mom to her grandmother's house. She then has to navigate a new town and a new school partway through the school year and become acquainted with the grandmother she doesn't really know. But that's not all. Once she gets to her grandmother's, her dreams suddenly become more than just dreams. They become real real nightmares as she somehow is transported to dreamland whenever she falls asleep. Once she's there, she's forced to run from a shadowy figure that's out to kill her until her alarm goes off, waking her up. Exhausted with no way to get rest, she's faced with a bully at school and the task of figuring out why her dreams are suddenly real and why the shadow is trying to kill her. Luckily, Ava gets some help at school from her friend Alice and in dreamland from her dream guide, Herman. But will their help be enough? To find out, you'll have to read The Gardenia Curse. Mm-hmm. Okay, what experience in your life led to your choice of subject for the book? Uh, I've always loved to read, and I have fond memories of being swept away on different adventures when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I think that's um, why I decided to write for middle grade readers. Because growing up, especially nearing and entering the teenage years, can be tough. And I wanted to be able to write something that would allow kids to escape into someone else's troubles just for a bit. There are also lots of stories about magic with witches and wizards, but not really a lot uh, with gypsies. So that's why I decided to have Ava's powers come from belonging to a gypsy family. And I, I also bring in herbal knowledge. Mm-hmm. I've also always been intrigued by dreams and their meanings and have often wondered why I've dreamt what I have. Then, after having kids, I have two of them, I pretty much stopped dreaming. I don't think I got enough sleep to get to that point in the sleep cycle. 
This just made the idea of dreams more elusive, I think, and brought them to the forefront of my mind. So I guess that's part of the reason why I created a story around them. That's right. And, you know, that's one thing. Having children, you don't get yeah. much sleep. That's for certain. And dreaming yeah. is pretty much out of, the, out of the picture. You have enough things to dream about when you do have a minute to stop and, and think, even as, as in waking. Yeah. And so you wrote this book because you wanted the uh, kids to be able to escape. And that's, that's a really good reason for writing. I, I think that children do have a lot of stresses and uh, even more so now than when we were young certainly with the internet and all the rest of the social media and things uh, yeah. you know so I think their idea uh, your idea of giving them a chance to escape was is really really helpful what else are you working on at this point or any point or do you want to work on <laughs> Uh, well, I'm currently uh, working on the sequel to The Gardenia Curse. Oh, great. Uh, it, it can be a standalone novel, but there are uh, some things that I didn't fully explain or resolve in mm-hmm. um, the book. So I'm excited to delve deeper into Ava's story in Dreamland. Um, I'm also working on um, the third book as well uh, for the series. It'll be three books in total. Wow. Um, And the third book won't really be a prequel, but it will go into details of how everything uh, was put into motion. Uh Um, I also have a draft done for a completely different standalone fantasy, and then I am also currently researching and outlining for another standalone novel that will be based on Native American mythology and history of a small Uh tribe in Southern California. And then um, I'm also dabbling and blogging with a mom blog at exhaustedmama.com, and then I also work as a freelance proofreader. So with all of that in my family, I uh, <laughs> manage to stay quite busy. You definitely have your hands full. That sounds great. And uh, I'm hoping that you're planning to give Saguaro Books a whirl on some of the, your new books. Yes, yeah, definitely. Great. Uh, and also, uh, even the uh, the book, uh, the Native American book, is uh, because we have another. If it's an adult version type of book, we have another publishing uh, house that does adult books. So keep us in mind yep. for that one too. Okay, that one will actually be for. Um, I haven't decided if, if it'll be middle grade or young adult. Oh, okay. Well, we can crowd. handle all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. What do you think are the biggest misconceptions of first-time authors or fools? Well, my, my biggest misconception um, was that once you sign a publishing contract, the hard work was over. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I learned that definitely that's not the case, and mm-hmm. it was just the beginning of the hard work. Right. Um, Although writing and editing a novel isn't easy, uh, it was something I enjoyed, uh, something I understood. Um, but once you sign the publishing contract, that's really when the work begins, mm-hmm. and you have to start the marketing, you have to put yourself out there, mm-hmm. uh, which is really not something uh, that comes naturally for me. I, I think I write for a reason. I much prefer to escape into, a ma- into my m- imagination and put pen to paper uh, than to go out and talk about my book uh, or myself. But mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, you know, if you don't know much about marketing, um, 
or you don't put yourself out there, your book will not do as well as it could, no matter how well written it is, just because you will not get the readers. Um, And I also, one thing I wish I would have uh, done was um, to really continue publishing on a regular uh, basis to get your name and your books out there and keep them in people's minds, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and with trying to balance work and family life, that's just not something that I've been able to do, but I'm Mm -hmm. really hoping that I can fix that soon with uh, all of the different things I have in the works. Sounds like you're working on it, and that will be great, because you are absolutely right. Uh, getting Getting the word out is absolutely critical. And uh, if they don't know it, they're not going to buy it, and you have to uh, keep them going. Um, Where can we learn more about your book? Um, You can go to my website, cmsavage.com. On there, you can also find links to my Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, and my Goodreads profile. Uh, I have the first chapter of the Gardenia Curse up there, and then um, on my blog, you can also read about some of my inspiration for the story. Mm. And although I haven't um, blogged on this site for a bit, I am in the process of revamping it and will become more active, sharing more inspiration, and uh, also writing reviews for books that I've been reading. Okay. Uh, where We can buy your book, of course, on the Swarrow Books website and your website, uh, let's see, where else can you, can we buy your book? Uh, it can be found on Amazon, mm-hmm. uh, barnesandnoble.com. Uh, you can buy a signed copy on my website, and then um, you can also get the ebook. It can be found on pretty much uh, <laughs> most of the popular ebook sites out there as well. Practically every one of them, yes. Okay. Yep. Um Let's see. We need to hear a little bit about your book. Maybe we can, uh, we've got a chapter or so or two we can hear from you. Uh, probably got a little bit of time, but uh, not a lot. But anyway, okay. <laughs> read. Uh, can you read for us for a little bit? Yes, I um, have chosen a section from Chapter 5 um, where Ava is trying to stay awake so she won't end up in dreamland where the shadow has been trying to kill her. She couldn't put sleep off forever, though. Right before her eyelids finally fluttered closed, she glanced at the clock and saw the red numbers 148. When she opened them again, she immediately took in her surroundings and began looking for shimmers. Herman, Ava said, as relief and apprehension filled her. Follow me and then we can talk, Herman said. Ava followed him through the forest once more. Instead of coming to the rocky slope, she found herself walking into a muted grassy field next to a pale river. A waterfall cascaded down a sheer drop a little way from where they stood. Herman led Ava to the cliff face and along a narrow rock ledge leading behind the waterfall. A small cavern hid there. We should be safe here, Herman said. I don't think the Mischevers know about this place. Ava wanted to say he had told her they would be safe where they were last night when she was trapped in the cave. She thought better of it and kept her mouth shut. Herman gave Ava a knowing look and said, I'm sorry about last night. Are you okay? I dug you out as quickly as I could after I got rid of the Mischevers, but then you woke up. Ava's eyes widened. Can you read my mind? No. Remember how I said I make your dreams to be what you need them to be? Yes. Well, to do that, I have to be in tune with you, so to speak. It's not mind reading, nothing that specific. It's a general feeling. 
I just got the feeling you were uneasy about last night and what happened. Oh, Ava said, still slightly skeptical. So can you answer my questions now? What do you want to know? Who are the mischievers, and why were they throwing rocks last night? And how could they throw rocks big enough to do so much damage? Why is the shadow after me, and who is he anyway? Why? Okay, okay, hold on, Herman said. Let me answer those before you ask more. Ava looked at him expectantly. Okay, Herman said. Mischievers are a part of dreamland, like I am. They create the disharmony in dreams, which make nightmares. They were throwing rocks to cause a ruckus. When they interrupt a dream guide's focus, a sort of disharmony is created. They can move through this disharmony into the dream and create a nightmare. They were able to move the boulders because they are entities of dreamland. Being a part of dreamland gives us some control over the surroundings. For the most part, the landscape is muted, as I'm sure you've noticed, which allows us to create whatever illusions are needed for a particular dream. Sometimes, though, we actually need to alter something. We have a bit more strength than the average person does, so we can do this altering. Even so, the boulders were a bit much for the mischievers last night, which is how I was able to sneak up on them and put a stop to things. Okay, we'll have to go to break now, and thank you so much, Carolyn. And it's been wonderful talking to you, and uh, we'll uh, talk uh, again sometime, and we'll go to break now. Stay with us. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. We will uh, go to break now and uh, join us back in a couple minutes, so don't go away. Thank you. the boardroom to you voice america business network saguaro books llc is a publisher unlike most publishers that you've known what's unique about us is that we don't work with agents we work directly with the authors we're a fiction only publisher that specializes in first-time authors middle grade and young adult fiction and we have a new section for new adult fiction find us on the web at saguarobooks.com all of our books are also available on major ebook sites and a variety of formats. Find something new to put on your reading list today. Visit saguarobooks.com. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. If you are interested in the business of rental equipment, be sure to check out Rental Equip Talk Radio with host Donald Charbonnet. We talk to some of the top names in the rental industry, as well as cover topics that include safety, training, fleet management, legal issues, and more. We'll also cover the history and future of the rental equipment industry. Rental Equip Talk Radio can be heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to the Saguaro Books Radio Hour. To speak with Mary Nickham or her guest, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or you may send an email to mjnickham at saguarobooks.com. Now, back to this week's program. You know, this is our next, our next guest is Robina Egamonier. Uh, Dr. Egemonier retired as an educator for, with over 40 years of experience. She was nominated and selected to Who's Who Among America's Teachers, 2005 to 2006. She was also listed in the Outstanding American Teachers National Honor Roll. And so glad to, join, uh, to have you join us, Robina, and welcome. Uh, thank you. And uh, let's get started and uh, tell us about your book. The Fence Mender is a coming-of-age mystery novel. The main characters are two middle school-age boys, Blue, who is white, and his best friend, Jukes, J-U-K-E-S, who is black. They both live under the auspices of their grandparents in a trailer park called Ergo Estates. At the beginning of the breed, Blue finds himself in great peril, physical peril, as he winds up in the Raven Hill, South Carolina emergency room. The immediate staff considers him, quote-unquote, poor white trash, the son of a drug addict who is in prison. Dr. Vera Drake, the physician in charge, is intrigued because he reminds her of her grandson, Marshall. She also grew up in Ergo Estates herself. From a treasure trove of personal papers found in Blue's backpack, she realizes that he is smart and he is also a purveyor of a dying art, that of fence mending. So she vows to find out who he is, really, and how he uh, was uh, stricken this way, and what could she do to help him? And it is a mystery because we don't know how or who, why he was injured, badly hurt and injured, and whether she is going to put her life in jeopardy in order to try to save him. That's right. And now you need to read the book to make sense out of all this and find out what, what happened. Uh, what oh, yeah. experience in your life led to your choice of subject for this book? I am very uh, blessed. I am the grandmother of seven grandchildren. Wow. All and right. what I And what I did was to first, my first book was When My Grandma Sings, and I, it was an homage to my granddaughters and my four daughters. Mm-hmm. And it was well received. It's about Alzheimer's disease and mm. a grandmother and the relationship with her granddaughter. And so when my grandma sings was published in 2010, and uh, after that, I began to get a little pressure about what about grandsons? Mm-hmm. Uh, what could I write in honor 
of my grandsons and my three sons-in-laws. What kind of adventure or mystery could I write? And I asked myself, what author has written the most discussed fictional work about boys? And I came up with the name Samuel Longhorn Clemens or Mark Twain. (laughs) Huckleberry Finn has evolved into Blue, who is Mm -hmm. still 14 years old, going on 30 or 35. (laughs) I decided that Tom Sawyer would evolve into an extremely smart, black, clever young man of the same age. Mm -hmm. I would give him a handicap or impediment, and that would be sickle cell anemia. Mm -hmm. He would also be a genius with the computer. Wow, that is fascinating. Once you get that smorgasbord of current social ills Mm -hmm. and you have a novel with mystery, suspense, and adventure, and ta-da, you have the (laughs) pen. Wow, that is creative and and fascinating to know the background of the book. Um, and, And you wrote this particular book for actually kind of for your kids or at least about them. Um, well, uh, not really about them, but them, for uh, them. them. <laughs> uh-huh. For them. Yes. Uh, what else are you working on? Well, uh, I'm working on uh, uh, an African folk tale series. Mm. I want it to be a lavishly constructed coffee table book that will come out of it. I've already sent to a publisher for All Call a mm-hmm. novel that I've written. And I have one more novel that is about to be published. It's called A Woman Apart. It's about ex-slaves who returned to West Ooh. Africa after the American Civil War. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. That is really interesting. Uh, what do you think are the biggest misconceptions of first-time authors? I say I call them the three uh, C's. Hmm. Be careful about the contests that you enter, because <laughs> a lot of people set up contests in order to get ideas about hmm. uh, what may, they can write. Make sure, number two, you get a copyright for your work, mm-hmm. uh, a certificate of registration, uh, the uh, United States uh, Copyright uh, will uh, office will send you an official certificate with your registration number, the effective date of registration, all of this, so right. that you will have a claim exactly to what mm-hmm. you are writing. And finally, be careful about the contracts that you sign, making sure that they are not only benefit the publisher but will also benefit you because you don't want to become a ghostwriter mm-hmm. just starting out. <laughs> yes, very true. And especially about the copyrights. Now, that is something that that uh, the, us as publishers put the copyright up there on the book, and that protects you to some extent, and it protects all of us. Because anything that comes out in print is automatically copyrighted. But Mm -hmm. if you need to go to court 
uh, over an issue, then you need to have, like you say, you need to have that certificate. And authors are uh, encouraged to get their own uh, certificates over and above what the publisher gets, uh, you know, does for the uh, copyrighted material that we put out. Uh, yes, what, I think that's very important. Yes, I do too. What words would you like to leave the world when you're gone? I would like to leave the uh, words of all of the different books that I've written. Mm-hmm. I intend, I have uh, myself a treasure t- trove of different books that I, I am working on or that I have uh, written and I want to get out there. I want them to remember me not just for uh, words in one book, but for uh, words in many books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, where can we learn about your book, you and your book? Oh, uh, you can uh, go on uh, Facebook. You can go on the Internet. Uh, I have written uh, about myself as an educator. It's called Stay the Course, a Veteran Teacher's Guide for New Teachers. And it's by uh, me, and I tell you about my philosophy of education. Mm. And it is very concise and to the point. But the most interesting one is my memoir. I have written a memoir called First Wife, the memoir of Nigerian Knight. Um, I am 72 years old, and I grew up in the South that was segregated, but, of mm-hmm. course, I was uh, not aware of any inferiority for myself. I admire people like my teachers who were well-educated. Later on, I was to marry, uh, uh, when I went to the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, I met a Nigerian uh, whose people were at war, in Nigeria, the Igbos, mm-hmm. uh, and so uh, he was there in graduate school also, like I was, and so eventually we became friends, and uh, later we uh, went to England, met his uh, family over there who was living. I got married at Cromwell Park Methodist Church in Manchester, mm-hmm. and then later on when we moved with our children to Nigeria, uh, after a period of time, uh, it was January 1984, I became the first American ever to earn a Ph.D. from an African university, wow. the University of Lagos in Nigeria. Uh-huh. And so you, uh, and then you came back to the U.S., apparently. Yes, I mm-hmm. uh, left, and I came back, and the book also uh, tells you about that. Oh, I'm uh, I mean, it goes through everything. i got to find that book. Where is it again? Well, uh, okay, let me tell you where you can get it. Yeah. You can get it on Amazon. Uh You can get it on Books a Million. Uh You can get it on Barnes & Noble. In fact, all of my books are on those three sites, and especially I'm grateful to Barnes & Noble because they are featuring the fence mender as a Barnes and Noble Kids Club eligible book, oh. uh, book club pick, it's being put up uh, as uh, Barnes and Noble Educator, Wonderful. and all you have to do is go to Barnes and Noble for uh, the fence mender, 
and just go to their uh, main site, uh-huh. type in the, T-H-E, fence, and then Mender, and then uh, click it, and there it is. Wow. The fence Mender. All right. Great. So that answers a lot of my next question, where we can buy your book. Oh, yes. Uh, just, uh, you know, Books a Million, yeah. Amazon, Barnes & Noble. And I do have a uh, website, uh-huh. L-E-E-R-O-B-I-E-O-N-E dot W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot C-O-M forward slash. And I'm on Facebook also. Okay. Sounds great. And, of course, it's available also on our website, www.sororobooks.com. Okay. okay. That, uh, <laughs> that answers my question. Uh, let's hear from you about your book. Uh, we've got a few minutes, so uh, maybe you can read to us for a little while. All right. Yeah. If you have the book, uh, you can turn uh, in the fence mender to page 20, and I will start reading there, and okay. you can tell me to stop whenever. I will stop I will you when we, until when we run out of time, I'll let you know. Okay, <laughs> okay thank you. Thank so you. Before my mother, Mrs. Mackenzie Marlin McGregor, died, my family life was wonderful. We lived in a three-bedroom two-bath, double-wide trailer built in our own yard. We had trees, flowers, and even a willow bush fence, the type that is common in Ireland, Scotland, and England. My ancestors came from those places. Ryan Corey McCrager, my father, married my beautiful mother when they were teenagers, both without a high school education. My father liked to pretend he was a pirate like Sir Francis Drake. He was not a pirate. He was a fence mender. He specialized in custom fencing and gate making. He forged wrought iron into the most beautiful fences you would ever want to see. He also created custom-made wood enclosures. Making fences was not steady work, so he mastered the art of mending fences. At three years old, I began to learn, to learn my father's trade and watch him work. Our family traveled to Aiken, Allendale, and Barnwell, three places in South Carolina known for breeding beautiful thoroughbred horses. South Carolina is the greatest state for quarter horses. If you're lucky sometimes, while driving through my state, you can spot beautiful, graceful Arabian horses fit for the stables of a king or queen. Expensive horses need sturdy fences. You have to know some math, science, and about local zoning laws. Fences, believe it or not, can cost upwards of $10,000 or more. When people invest that kind of money, you have to do a good job. The fence should be made to last. If not, my father could make or mend them. The real steady money was in the mending. Fences are so practical. 
they can be used for many purposes and can be made in many styles. They have to keep out that which should stay out. A fence can be made of aluminum, bamboo, concrete, plastic, or vinyl. My daddy used to say that the most reliable material is wood, especially Canadian or Western red cedar. Wood is beautiful because it is alive. Summer was the best time for us to travel together to build or to repair fences. As I grew older, I felt my father did not receive respect for what he did for a living. Nevertheless, he was a proud and happy man. He made enough to support his family while loving the work he did. When I was 10, my mom became pregnant. My mom was a free-spirited and passionate lady. She liked to travel with me and my dad. One day in July, we headed for Aiken. We never made it there. The police were pursuing a criminal who crashed his car into the front passenger side where my mom sat. She and my unborn sister were pronounced dead at the scene. The criminal died that day, too. I don't miss him. I miss my mom. Since my mother's death, my father has buried his grief in illegal drugs, alcohol, and jail time. Each day I pray he will somehow overcome and join me when I get older to become, again, the greatest fence menders of them all. Written by James Casey McCrager, Blue, winner of the 5th grade Aiken County District 5 Lieutenant Governor's Writing Award. And now on page 26. I promised Mrs. Epping, my 5th grade language arts teacher, I would continue to write in my journals as long as she promised not to call me Blue. My mother nicknamed me Blue, and I rather like it. Nobody else in my, any of my classes has a color as a name. There is a boy in my math class named Felix White, W-H-Y-T-E, but the spelling is different, and that is his surname. My mother made me proud when she told me my eyes were the color of the blue waters of Hilton Head Island. Nobody I know is like me. I like being different. My mother read to me all the time when I was little. We would walk from our trailer to the bookmobile, which came twice a month on Friday. I think the man who drove the bookmobile liked my mother. He would always set aside a stack of nice children's books and new romance novels just for her. I don't blame him. My mother was stunning in every way. She loved my father and me so much. People say I favor my mother, but I try not to think about that too much. My mother's death is a done deal, and there is absolutely nothing I can do about that. I can't afford to dwell in the past. My father needs me. He drinks so much liquor, his body smells bad all the time. His left arm is marked by needles. His fingers, which used to mend fences, shake, and his fingernails have turned orange and yellow. When he first started drinking alcohol, it was not so bad. He would stagger to our trailer and fall asleep. My grandmother would take care of me as long as she could take care of herself. I was 11 going on 30. I thought I could take care of myself, but there was no money. My dad sold food stamps 
to buy liquor. People refused to hire him for work because he was no longer reliable. Uh, we have a uh, good time. My father told me, me, North Augusta used to be called Hamburg. It was a town where mostly blacks lived for a time after the Civil War. The place was known for the Charleston-Hamburg Railroad Line. The line was completed in 1833 and considered by some to be the longest in the world at that time. We often passed through Edgefield, South Carolina. My daddy does not, to, does not like to linger there because he says he does not like necktie parties, whatever that means. As everyone knows, more battles were fought in South Carolina during the Revolutionary War than in any of the original 13 colonies. The Raven Hills Revolutionary Battlefield, and that's fictional, is a national attraction which received money from the Loyalist Association, a British group. Over 200 Calhoun Falls patriots lost their lives fighting the British and the Raven Hill Loyalists. Some people claim there are Tory Hill Village running around the area even today. Fortunately, because I was... Uh, often involved in all of this, I learn a lot. Okay, thank Any you, Robina. Okay. We've got to stop for a break, and uh, we really enjoyed the book. And uh, thank you so much for uh, for joining us. Okay, you're quite welcome. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it very much. Myself. Thank you. Okay, we'll talk to you later. All right, okay. we're going to break. Thank you. Okay. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Saguaro Books LLC is a publisher unlike most publishers that you've known. What's unique about us is that we don't work with agents. We work directly with the authors. We're a fiction-only publisher that specializes in first-time authors, middle-grade and young adult fiction, and we have a new section for new adult fiction. Find us on the web at saguarobooks.com. All of our books are also available on major ebook sites and a variety of formats. Find something new to put on your reading list today. Visit saguarobooks.com. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune into The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Ritas is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on The Voice of America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. 
listening to the Saguaro Books Radio Hour. To speak with Mary Nickham or her guest, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you may send an email to mjnickham at saguarobooks.com. Now, back to this week's program. Here it comes. Thank you. Okay, our third guest today is Jenny Uzalek. Jenny is the fourth grade teacher who loves every day with her students experiencing new adventures, insights, and writing opportunities. In her leisure time, she enjoys running, cooking, and being with her family. Originally from Pennsylvania, her family has lived in Arizona for 15 years. Welcome, Jenny. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh-huh. Uh, listen, first, let's talk about your book. Uh, tell us about your book. Well, it started about seven or eight years ago, and it started actually with my, one of my fourth grade classrooms. I chose this particular book because I was trying to get the kids to write. So I put a picture of these dogs that looked like they were sitting in a Greyhound bus. Mm-hmm. I put it up on the screen, and I'm was trying to get them to write. I'm like, look at this picture. There could be so many possibilities of what we could write about. They could be going on vacation. They could be going to jail. They could be being dognapped. Let's think about how we could write something about this. And they just had the hardest time getting started. So I made a deal with them that I would write every day, write along with them, and then I would read mine after lunch for our read aloud. Mm. Well, it just kind of snowballed, and as we were doing the writing assignment, when we finally ended it, I continued going. And as I was as I was writing it, I kept thinking, okay, I've got six dogs and three cats in this whole series, so I could <laughs> actually in this book, so I could actually make it a series. So it, the first book is about um, a golden retriever who gets dog napped on his way to get his hair cut, and three cats actually save him. And then there's there's five other dogs in the dog napping ring with him that all get rescued. So it's, it's comical, and it's just a really cute story about how, how animals help each other out. And, oh. and all of the animals in the story I've actually modeled after pets that either I had as a child, my mom has had, or my children had. Oh, of course. So I kind of have a, ink, or a link to each of the characters. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're uh, in your in your life. Then you've had lots of pets, and uh, so that makes we always good we material always had pets when I was growing up. <laughs> yeah, yep. And at one point, when my kids were still living at home, we had about nine, including Ooh. a python and two ferrets. Wow. Okay. Yeah. My, yeah. my husband wanted me to charge admission for people coming in because he said it was <laughs> right. <a> good idea. <laughs> good idea. Uh, yeah. yeah. My my back my experience has been with cats but i can appreciate well, I'm the a, dogs I'm a huge too. cat lover i am yeah. i'm definitely a cat lover why did you yeah. write this particular book or oh, you said with uh, their students yeah with my students and i actually had a student teacher that year and she was in full ah. control so i actually had the opportunity to sit <laughs> in my room and work on it Sure. So they were working on other stuff. I was sitting there working on my book, and then I'd read it at, at read aloud time after lunch. Oh, that's really. So a... Those are my fourth graders that really, yeah, made me persevere. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a good uh, good way to do it because you're getting the kids involved and you're uh, 
you're writing at the same time, and uh, that's really they, a... Uh, yeah, they just couldn't wait to hear every day what I, I had added. It, it kind of inspired them. Sure. So, yeah. That's, that's a very creative way to go about it. And uh, what else are you working on? I've actually started the second book for this series. There's oh, good. A, the, the first one is, um, well, the whole series is called The Whiskers Gang. Right. And the first adventure was Mermelot's Great Escape, and Mermelot was the Golden Retriever. My second one is um, on the life of one of the cats in the story that's called Fats Furball, who uh. lives in the sewer. So it's all about how his life has transpired and how he ended up where he did and and still trying to figure it all out. I've got the first couple chapters written. Oh, yeah. Well, I take your time. That's that's what it does. It does take time. Are you doing this the same way with the kids and reading them? T- no. no. No, this one I'm working on on my own. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. um, that's good because I'm I'm looking forward to the rest of the series. I hope you're going to consider Saguaro Books when you oh, get ready to publish. Great, absolutely. I was just so excited when I found you the first time, considering you only publish first time authors, and I'm like, oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, and I well, got my fingers crossed that you accepted it. So, oh yeah, well that's the thing with first time authors because they have such a hard time getting things published, you know, getting the ear of a publisher or the eye of a publisher to begin with. Yeah, I sent it to many and never heard back. And when I found you online and you said only first-time publishers or only first-time authors, I was so excited. I'm like, maybe I do have a chance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's that's why I started the the, uh, company, because I myself had had problems uh, getting attention from authors and agents and then I decided oh, wow. no agents <laughs> we're yeah. going to do it directly with authors so good um, well, I'm glad you made that decision yeah I tell you I learned the hard way uh, what do you think are the biggest misconceptions of first-time authors well I think a lot of times they think it's going to be easier to get published than mm-hmm. it really is because mm-hmm. I kind of went in with that whole idea and when I saw all of the things that other authors have gone through, and we had several authors come to our elementary school and speak, Bruce Coville came, um, Dow Kemp was here, mm. um, Obert Sky, and I actually gave the first three chapters of my book to Obert Sky to read, and he emailed me back, and he also encouraged me to keep going. So that mm-hmm. was a big boost Great. in my yeah. ego. Yeah, but I think... I think people think it's easy to get your mm-hmm. stuff out there and immediately get it published. Yeah. And I and I don't think people realize too how many revisions you have to go through yep. before it will actually be accepted. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so the I know thing. I went, yeah, I went yeah. through like three or four of them with you. Mm-hmm. And it was like each time I'm like, oh, I'm glad she caught that. I'm glad I caught that. Yeah. Well. So, and we have yeah, it's not as easy as they think. No, it isn't easy. And and then and then what happens is that that you find out that after it's published, that was the easy part. Now let's yeah. get the word out and uh, yep. and the marketing exactly. and 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 uh, promotion is is never ending, and it's a, yeah. practically a full time job if you really yeah. get involved. Well, one thing I did do to get it marketed was I went to our district um, media yeah. specialist, 
and got in front of all of the media specialists and had a copy of my book and explained to them what it was about. So a lot of the libraries in our school district did purchase it. So that Great. made me happy. Good, yeah. But now that I'm starting on the second one, I'm really going to put forth an effort to get it marketed, and um, I'm planning on creating a website and a Facebook Right, Facebook yeah. page totally dedicated to my writing. Right. And, uh, yes, and we have it on our uh, website as well. And, you know, Uh I never did make a contact with your uh, school district. I mean, I got, I was told that I was a a good place to purchase, but never heard from them from there on. I'm thinking they ordered it from Amazon. Oh, Lord. (laughs) They could have. I know. I told them, go to Swirl Books. Well, they could get it from Amazon, you know, that's fine. But we could have, if they had bought a, uh, you know, a larger number, they could get a special deal from us. But uh, well, anyway, yeah, they yeah. bought it, that's fine, you know, as long yep. as they got it. Okay, um, where can we learn more about you and your books? Well, like I said, once I get the second one a little bit further along, I'm going to be creating my own personal website and my own Facebook for just my writing. Uh huh. Are you going to do so a blog too? You know what? I got to learn how to do that. <laughs> yeah, there's a that's lot of th- there's a lot one of, of my sites. friends helping me do my website. Uh huh. Well, so, so tell me if she can teach me how to blog. Right. WordPress is good for blogs, and also is Blogspot. You know, www.blogspot. B L O G S P O T, all one word, dot com. And um, that's easy to set up too. So, okay, uh, they really are, or they're easy to do once you, you know, get it organized, but it doesn't take that much. Um, well, maybe I can figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you could. Or your kids could help you. <laughs> yeah, probably. I'm sure they could. Uh, where, are, uh, where can we buy your book? Well, definitely from Suaro Books and Fountain Right. And it's also available, like I said, on Amazon, mm-hmm. um, Apple iBooks, BarnesandNoble.com, KoboBooks.com, or Google Play. Right. Okay, good. Yes, it is available on uh, all several different uh, uh, ebook sites because we have it on draft to digital and uh, ebooks to go and there oh, uh, the libraries can buy them on on um, the they use uh, biblioteca and um, uh, there's another site that libraries use so they can get ebooks that way too Okay, uh, okay. Uh, let's hear from your book for a little bit now. We've got a few minutes left, so maybe you can read to us for a little bit. Okay, All right. I figured the best place to start is Chapter 1. That sounds good. Thank you. <clears throat> okay. Tuesday morning started out just like every other morning, but it wouldn't remain that way for very long. Marmalo, a strikingly handsome purebred golden retriever, had an appointment with the dog groomer to get his coat trimmed and shampooed and his nails clipped and manicured. He had a very important dinner date that night with the adorable poodle of his dreams, who just so happened to live right across the street from his house. As Mermelo started down the sidewalk to his favorite salon, Clausen's Clipper Clinic, his mood swelled with happiness and anticipation at how debonair he would look this evening as he would proudly trot alongside Miss Penny Pierlove. 
his imagination began to wander. The crisp night air would ruffle his finely trimmed fur as he gazed at his beautiful companion. Her lashes would be blinking rapidly, while her eyes would be shimmering, reflecting the glow from the streetlights above. Her dainty, perfectly fashioned nails would make an elegant clicking rhythm as she pranced down the sidewalk upon her neatly groomed paws. They would both regard each other with admiring eyes. It would be the most glorious night of his dreams. He had anxiously waited for months, trying to muster up the nerve to invite the curly-haired canine out for an evening on the town. There had been many times he started across the street, only to retrace his steps because he lost every ounce of courage. His words would start to evaporate from his brain. His mouth would dry up like the sands of Death Valley, and he would start to tremble. Yes, it had been a strenuous several months until he finally decided to take the plunge and pop the question. So with all that in mind, can you blame him for wanting to look, look his dog's show best, as they say in the canine world? For days and days, he had anticipated how the evening would proceed, and the night was finally here. But he still had a serious problem to solve. Where would he take her? Perhaps they could get a reservation at Dagwood's Dog Biscuits Divine. Now, their cuisine was too dry and overly crunchy. It would only create embarrassing crumbs upon both of their immaculately groomed coats. Maybe they should try Bailey's Burger Bits. They had just recently been given a four-star rating for catering to the canine cuisine in Dog Diner's directory, a weekly news guide for the trendiest canine bistros. Unfortunately, upon further thought, that also became a no way, as their entrees were too juicy and runny, and he surely didn't want to mess up his or her fresh grooming. He would really have to think this one through in order to make a huge impression on the little curly-haired poodle. As he sauntered down Hazelnut Street towards Clawson's Clipper Clinic, his mind was heavily preoccupied in another world, totally oblivious to his surroundings. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, everything went pitch black, and his hearing became extremely muffled. His head was completely enveloped with some strange mesh-type dark-colored material, pressing down heavily on his neck and restraining him so he couldn't move his head or body. He couldn't see a thing. What in the world was happening? He struggled to breathe through his nose and mouth, his thoughts scrambling for answers as to what his next step should be. Was the world crumbling in on him, or was he just experiencing a nightmare? If this was a nightmare, it was one he was definitely fighting his hardest to escape. While he struggled to become free from whatever monster was holding him down, he realized he was being dragged across the sidewalk, his surrounding world still black as night. He could barely make out stifled voices. One? No. Two deep voices. Definitely two men. They were discussing how to lift him. But lift him to where? Soon his question was answered. A large, coarse-feeling piece of something was abruptly slid between the sidewalk and his backside. With a jolt, he was violently hoisted into the air and dumped into an abyss. A loud slam echoed through his ears, and the voices became even more distant. Fear started coursing through his veins. What was happening? Who did these voices belong to? What did they want with him? Didn't they know he had a very important evening ahead of him with the pooch of his dreams? All of this nonsense was putting him far behind the schedule. The floor of whatever he was laying upon started to rumble and vibrate uncomfortably below his body. He must be in the trunk of a car, he thought frantically. He knew the sound of a car from the many times he had accompanied his master for a jaunt okay. in the Okay. Thank you, Jenny. We have to you leave so now. Welcome. We've got to finish. And thank you okay. so much for joining us. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. 
Thank you for tuning in to Saguaro Books Radio Hour. Host Mary Nickham invites you to join us again next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll have more to discuss then.